From the wheat fields of the Thumb to the cherry trees on the Third Coast, Michigan grows more than 300 different foods and products that we all enjoy every day. We're on a mission to find every local restaurant, manufacturer, and food company sourcing their ingredients right here in the mitten. And in the process, bridge the gap between the farm and your fork. We want to introduce you to all things Michigan agriculture and food. This is Michigan AF. Welcome to the Michigan AF podcast. I'm your host, Noelle Knockreiner. In Michigan, farmers grow over 300 commodities, which are turned into delicious foods and products that we enjoy every day. This includes cocktails and spirits. Today, I am joined by Angie Jackson, commonly known as the Traveling Elixir Fixer. Angie is a culinary mixologist who has worked with some of the best known distilleries and restaurants really across the Midwest. So today she's going to share with us a little bit more about Michigan's diverse cocktail industry. Welcome to the podcast, Angie. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Noelle. Thanks so much for having me today. So can you start off by telling us a little bit more about yourself and how you became a master culinary mixologist? Absolutely. It found me. It was by mistake. No, seriously. Uh, I've been in the bar industry since uh, 1996. That's a really long time. And um, I was living in Chicago and uh, I was working at some of the bars and restaurants downtown. And at that point, I decided I wanted to uh, elevate my craft. I wanted to raise the bar, so to speak. So I went back to school. Um, there is such things that exist. And I am a graduate of the Academy of Spirits and Fine Service, held with Southern Wine and Spirits in Chicago. Uh, master mixologist Bridget Albert is my mentor. I was a graduate of that. I also am a graduate of Bar Smarts uh, Extended Program out of New York City. And I am a graduate of the Master Culinary Mixology as well from Chicago. And um, I'm, I'm formerly an adjunct professor from Chicago's Kendall College, where I taught mixology to the culinary students. And, um, you know, all of a sudden we started laying down beverage programs in Chicago that were seasonally fresh and locally sourced. And I started noticing that all of those menus all the different farms, you know, because, you know, they're proud, you know, chefs and the culinary mixology, they wanted to know where these ingredients came from. And I started noticing they all came from Michigan. A lot of people don't realize that Michigan is number two, only number two, to California with growing incredible crops and everything in our wonderful state, what I call the Great Lake State of Deliciousness, because we've got it rocking over here. And um, so at that point, I, I thought, wow, I really would love to take my education and bring it home to our wonderful state here. So in 2012, I moved back to Michigan and began working with the craft spirits, you know, the, the whole sector here. That is so And it was cool. an amazing experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is really just so interesting and, and such a great path that you've taken. So in addition to being a mixologist, you're also an agriculture alchemist. Can you, what is that? Can you share more about that? 
Absolutely. That, that kind of goes on hand in hand with mixology. And alchemist is basically someone old school term. You know, you, you I learned that actually from my studies in uh, cocktails and stuff like that. Like the Arabian alchemists were some of the first to develop the still. And they were changing, you know, liquid to solid, you know, um, they were trying to recreate, you know, basically, you know, from, you know, life to death to life, you know, I mean, it was interesting what they would do with those things and creating wonderful apothecary style medicinal things at that point. So I um, kind of felt that was that because. When I moved back to Michigan, this is a perfect example of why everything kind of came together. I was already working with a lot of the small farms, you know, sourcing a lot of my herbs and ingredients and things like that. Fruits, you know, anything that I would find that I could support locally, I was all about because, you know, we have to keep our money here, you know, I mean, and support the local as much as we possibly can. So... Edible Michiana Magazine reached out to me and asked me to do a um, woods to glass uh, cocktail workshop that was held at Fernwood Botanical Garden down in Niles, Michigan. And we had a professional forager who actually went out and gathered all these ingredients in the woods. And many of the ingredients I knew, many I did not. So I was doing some research behind it and realizing that a lot of these ingredients that we found out in farms in the woodland areas of farms and things like that were actually used in early uh, products of bitters, which are non-potable alcohol compounds. Uh, when, when I refer to bitters, people are like, what is that? And I tell them, I said, that is the salt and pepper of your drink right there. It is the season. It is the, the pizzazz, the tangy, the pop. Uh, if the drink falls flat, add a little bitters. But I'll tell you that bitters were actually created by early old school pharmacists. So that's where the alchemist comes into play, you know, of bringing these ingredients together, turning it from one into the other. The traveling elixir fixer right there. That is very, very cool. So speaking of sourcing your ingredients locally, um, I know that you work with a lot of different farms and farmers in the state. Can you share some of those farms or some of the relationships that you've built while you've done that? Absolutely. I love working with my small farms. In fact, uh, this past weekend, I visited two small farms um, um, just getting to know people. And you know what's funny? You need to go out in the woods more often. And why? Because you never you would be surprised who you meet out in the woods. Um, first thing I was at was at Lake Village Homestead Farm located in Portage. And it, that is a pre-Civil War working farm. And I source all of my honey from them because I tell you, I tried honey all over the state and they have their bees are making the best, some of the best honey I've ever had. I actually asked them, I said, what kind of bee charming are you doing over here that is making them so produce such beautiful nectar? And it had to do with where their um, hive sat were in between a couple of different watershed. So the bees got their water and they were fed very well. And, and you know, of course, a happy bee is going to produce some incredible honey. And it shows. Um, I also work with, um, formerly it was called Green Garden and now they're called Of The Land out of Battle Creek, Michigan. And I love sourcing my herbs from them as well as sprouts uh, in Battle Creek as well. They have an incredible array of fresh herbs that I love to incorporate in my beverage programs. And I was at Bonamega Farms in Lawrence 
And I was out on a nature walk with Nabi Shin, who was their head farmer out there. And she goes out and takes groups out to show people how to forage some of this wonderful free food, basically out in the woods and in the wild. And um, I love sourcing things. She she comes back with some incredible uh, bittered roots. Um, she introduced me to ground cherries. If you haven't had a ground cherry, I highly recommend those. They're great for a garnish on a drink. And um, it's a member of the tomato family, but it tastes like a cherry and it comes in a little actual like a little cover it they're they're incredible if you run across them at the farmer's market pick them up they're well worth it trust me on that um so she takes you out and shows you these cool really cool things and we had a bittered herb tea before we started out on our foraging walk so as we're walking along all of a sudden I realized we had a chef in our group, and this happens to be Chef uh, Mike Murray, who owns West Michigan Pasta Provisions, and he has a farm, and he sources local wheat from Michigan to produce his pasta, and he also sources all of his ingredients for his pasta sauces. He has one that's vegan and then one that is a vodka cream sauce. So it was, like I said, you never know who you're going to meet out in the woods on those kind of wonderful things. So we got to talk wonderful things about working together and, um, you know, with his food and drink and all of that, that we could bring it together. And I can't wait to try his products. Yeah, that sounds delicious. That's I should bring him on the podcast too. I'll have to look into that. Uh, so I know that you have also worked with many distilleries, bars, restaurants throughout the state. Can you share some of some of the different cool places that you've worked with to to develop different cocktails? Sure thing. Um, when I moved back to Michigan, this is interesting. You'll love this. This is 2012, and there were only about four, maybe five distilleries. Today, there are over. I believe that there's 53 now and we're, I know that many more are being added to that list. Uh, I, I saw the, I saw what was going to happen because I knew that a lot of these craft distilleries were so sourcing their local grains from Michigan farms. And that was another reason why I wanted to come. You know, you have these wonderful brands that are out there that are national or global. That's great. But I do love supporting the small craft distilleries. You know, there's families behind it as well. And a couple of the distilleries even have their own farms where they're growing things. So some of the ones that I worked with, um, my first, I love it, Journeyman Distillery down in Three Oaks, Michigan. And they are um, all organic. I, I worked with them from the beginning. It was interesting because Bill Welter came to me when I lived in Chicago and I was teaching classes at uh, Cooking Fools in Wicker Park and said, teach me about cocktails. So we did. And um, I helped um, open them. We laid down the beverage program. We worked it out. And um, I've worked with Big Cedar Distilling Company. They were located in Sturgis, Michigan, and the, they are no longer around. But we had a wonderful time working with Michigan corn. They made Michigan vodka down there. And um, a Green Door 
distilling company here in Kalamazoo. We worked with some botanical uh, gin formulas uh, to, to make their um, gin. Um, they have a new distiller there now, and they're just rocking out and doing some wonderful things there. And I've worked with Grand Traverse Distillery for many, many, many years. Um, they are one of the largest and um, oldest in the state and are definitely, um, you know, grain sourcing. They use Send Brothers Farms out of um, Williamsburg, I believe. And um, I'm correct. Uh, Sen Brothers, I believe, has over a thousand acres that they're growing corn, wheat, rye um, for Michigan distilleries as well as other customers as well. So I, I have had wonderful, wonderful I, um, uh, adventures with the Michigan distilleries and, and all the other ones. You know, you look at some of the Eastern Kill out of Grand Rapids, Long Road, Valentine out of Detroit, um, Motor City, um, or what is it? Uh, excuse me, it's a, a Detroit City Distilling Company. Two James, love them as well. I mean, these are wonderful distilleries that this is artistic interpretation of liquid art, the way I look at it. Um, and some of the other restaurants that I've worked with, I'm getting ready to have a drink the wild spirited dinner with Four Roses Cafe up in Plainwell. And I have another uh, one at uh, Seasonal Grill in Hastings. I've worked with them and laid down beverage programs. And the other thing that I need to do and what I do well is, is I am quite often brought in to talk to the bartenders, give them a little bit more education and unleash their creativity so that they are able able to put their personality into that glass while sourcing locally seasonally fresh beverage programs. That is so cool. What what a wonderful just just job and an opportunity that you have to just bring and share, you know, all of these locally grown ingredients and and share that with with those bartenders and with, you know, those who are running those restaurants and bars. That's so cool. And the same thing with the consumer as well. Um, I, I love to go to the farmer's market. I want to go support other local artisans. Uh, I remember meeting um, a good friend of mine now at this point at the Ann Arbor uh, farmer's market. And I may live in Kalamazoo. I may be that gal from Kalamazoo. But I love to go outside and go to different areas. And I was at the Ann Arbor farmer's market. And I met um, I, it's Motor City Spreads. And it is my awesome friend, Shanita Richardson, who um, makes these jams and jellies. And this is where the alchemist comes in. You can take a jelly, you could turn it back into liquid form and use it in drinks. So I, I love, again, you know, I mean, I, I love sourcing and um, uh, supporting other artisans that are actually using Michigan products to make their Michigan product. And then I'm going to turn around and use it again. So the, the, the chain continues further down the line. And then I am also, the way I look at it is, as I'm going into the restaurant or bar and I'm talking about it to the consumer, hey, we use this, they use this Michigan, I'm supporting this Michigan, this is what we need to do. And it just sparks their creativity, their passion, their love, and think, wow, I should do this as well. That's so cool. That is just very, very cool. So I heard you say something earlier that you were uh, dropping a little hint a little bit. So I wanted to talk about that for a moment. You mentioned Drink the Wild. I know that that is actually a book you wrote that is all about sourcing ingredients from nature. So tell us more about that. 
you 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 caught my little easter egg there <laughs> i love it yes um what spurred a, a, a lot of this book came from 2012 when i started um what, what was the edible michiana workshop when i started working with the foragers and things like that and you know looking to these ingredients that are out in the wild and what we could do to gather ingredients and unfortunately the pandemic you know kind of pushed me along with this because people were home they were going into the woods they were taking intentional time for themselves and learning how to do things on their own um you know in the very beginning people were making masks and baking bread and all that and they got real tired of that so they went to YouTube and started learning how to make cocktails. And next thing you know, their, their mixing game is on. And so they wanted a little bit of an elevation to take them to the next level. So this was a perfect example where I could take and put it into book form. Drink the wild. Um, basically, it is recipes from a kitchen witch for the spirited and sober soul <laughs> is the tagline on my. So everybody kind of has that, that passionate kitchen witch in them, you know, where you, 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 what you do is you do well. Um, whether you're baking bread, whether you're making pasta, you know, what, whatever your crafty culinary, that is where you are guided by your, you know, your inner passion, you know, perhaps it's an ancestor um, uh, recipe, you know, that's been handed down, you know, you do so well. So this was an opportunity for me to bring these recipes to folks that you could gather, you know, in your own wild, we're going to drink the wild and, um, you know, gather your dandelions, gather your violets, gather, you know, things and celebrate the seasons with what we are growing here in Michigan and sourcing, um, you know, a lot of the uh, local craft spirits to go along with it as well. Wow. Wow. You say you think everyone has a little bit of a kitchen witch in them. I'm not sure that I do. I would say that mine is more of a kitchen gnome where I just kind of stumble around the kitchen and, and I try to make things work. And sometimes it turns out and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> and that's OK. You know, I mean, you can be you can be a kitchen gnome, too. I mean, I, I you know, a kitchen fairy for, you know, forager of the fridge, you know. Whatever, you know, I mean, whatever role you need to have, that's that's there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it. So when you are deciding that you want to create a brand new cocktail from scratch, what is your process? How do you develop that recipe? Okay, great question. Um, no, number one is season automatically are we dealing with spring summer winter fall because those those flavor profiles you know think about taste taste and memory go together you know and we when we think of spring you know you're thinking of blossoms you know you're thinking of herbal you're thinking of earth you know you're thinking of those kind of you know flavor profiles you know we're awakening from our winter dormant time um and you're going into summer you know where you're going to deal with more you know fresh berries fresh fruits uh citrus anything to that nature then you get into fall oh love fall you know you've got your you've got pumpkin you've got apple you've got pear and then you start getting into ginger and cinnamon and cardamom and then that leads into winter as well so depending on what season that's what that's the first thing they're going to look at next thing i'm going to look at is um what am i trying to create with the drink am i looking to hit certain sensory points whether it be um you know everybody has a certain style that they like whether it be you know uh, sweet sour 
um, salty, you know, kind of an umami, uh, whether they want bitter um, and or heat, you know, like, um, you know, like, you know, like a, a spicy, you know, spice, basically. So I will look to that, you know, I ask people questions, you know, like four questions before I might design something for them. So I would do that. What, what am I looking at? Am I trying to come up with something that is any of those points that I'm going to hit on? The anatomy of a cocktail is actually very simple. It's four ingredients. It is spirit, sugar, bitters, and water. And the spirit is the backbone. That's the soul. That is that is what that drink is all about. Whether it be vodka, you know, hey, I'm clean, crisp. Whether it's gin, I'm botanicals all the way. Uh, whether it's rum, I'm sugarcane. I'm fun. Uh, whether it's whiskey, I'm all grains, and I sit in a barrel for a while. I'm a little aged, or something to that, or tequila. You know, I mean, I'm earthy. I've got the agave going. You know, I'm a plant. Um, that is what the soul is. Then you have your sugar, and your sugar is going to come from either, um, uh, you know, Pioneer Sugar, Michigan, all the way. One of my favorites to work with, with beet sugar right there. Uh, that is going to be the sweet component. It's going to come from creams, juices, sugar, simple syrups, anything to that nature. Um, to contrast the sugar, you're going to have the bitter component. And that will come from perhaps fresh citrus, which is, you know, like the astringent, you know, the acid from lemon juice, lime juice, grapefruit juice. That's going to balance out your sweet. Also, remember I talked about non-potable alcohol bitters? That's where that comes into play as well. You're going to add a little, you know, a little seasoning to your drink. And then what a lot of people don't realize is what the most important thing is in a cocktail is water. 30% of water needs to be kind of incorporated into that drink. And how you're going to get that water is going to come from shaking or stirring your drink. Uh, shake anything that contains creams, juices, sugars. Now, these are just light rules of thumb because sometimes rules change a little bit. For the most part, you're looking at that. You're going to stir anything that contain only spirits, such as like the classic Manhattan, the classic martini, anything of that nature. Um, one of the biggest things that I say, drink it because you like it, not because someone told you to. So if you like a shaken martini, knock yourself out. If you like it stirred, knock yourself out. It's all good. But water is the key component. And we have some of the best water here in Michigan. I love it, love it, love it. And Lake Michigan, I, I laugh when a lot of people say, well, you know, the best bourbons come from elsewhere because of limestone water. And I look at them and I'm like, do you know what's at the bottom of Lake Michigan? And they're like, no. And I'm like, limestone. So we've got the big lake and we're not drying up anytime soon. <laughs> and it freaks them out immediately. <laughs> so uh, we have the purest of Michigan water that you can imagine, plus the growing aspects that we have in our state. There are certain microclimate areas where grains are just going to be incredible. We have the perfect lake effect growing system is a good way to put it is, is a lot of it. Number one, we have sandy soil grows incredible grains. Number two, we have um, harsh winters. <laughs> Winter's not letting go right now, is she? No, <laughs> no. I'm waiting. I'm waiting patiently. She's coming. I mean, spring's coming. She's just being a little bashful right now. But we have harsh winters, which actually help with growing um, a lot of our agriculture here. We also have rolling terrain. You know, now that may sound odd, but, you know, it also helps with th that particular 
aspect of agriculture. We also have irrigation from Lake Michigan coming in. So all the more reasons we grow super grains. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. And a lot of the Michigan distilleries are utilizing these grains to create some of the best spirits I've had out there in the market. So I encourage everybody to support. I'm not saying you have to do it all the time, you know, but I'm saying, you know, because we we do enjoy our favorite brands, but support your local Michigan craft distilleries, uh, breweries and wineries and meaderies. I mean, I, I don't think people realize how much apples we grow here in Michigan and how much apples are produced from mead. So absolutely, that is some drink for thought right there. Yeah. Wow. It's so making the perfect cocktail really is it's a science and it's an art. It truly is. And um, a good way to put it, if you bake, there are ratios, you know, like let, yeah, I love chocolate chips. I'm not going to put two pounds of chocolate chips in my, you know, as much as I'd love to, I'm not going to put two pounds of chocolate chips in my cookie batter because there's a ratio to everything. That is where mixology and alchemy come in is the ratios and proper balance of things. You know, like I say, the perfect cocktail is just like a life. It's like an art art of balance of those four elements that are going into that. So creating that proper, um, you know, layers, you're going to have a wonderful drink on your hands, whether it's alcohol or not. You can choose whatever your desire is, because if there's one thing I've seen that has grown incredibly is the non-alcoholic, what people call mocktail. And I tell people, I'm not mocking anything. I'm making a beautiful tantalizing elixir that's going to make your taste buds dance in your mouth. So um, again, I'm going to use locally sourced. I'm going to look for apple cider vinegar that I can, you know, uh, find that people are making in, you know, our area. I'm going to be looking at lemongrass and, you know, I can't exactly find cardamom pods, but, you know, I'm going to do my best, but I'm going to source as much as I possibly can. Local ginger, local honey, local sugar, all of that, um, as well as bubbles, um, carbonation, you know, and just um, create a beautiful drink without alcohol, spirited or not. We have it all here in Michigan to be able to make that happen. Wow. You are definitely the poster child for supporting local farmers and locally grown. I love it. And you, I can just tell by talking to you, you have such you have a heart of a teacher. And so I know that you actually host workshops so that you can teach others how to make these cocktails. Can you tell us more about those workshops? Absolutely. And you know what? That is the biggest thing. One of my things that I wanted to do was return to education for the consumer, for the bartender to be able to do these things at home. Because I do think moving forward, we will be looking at sourcing, you know, our local things from our local farms and doing a lot of things at home ourselves again. And I think I love this aspect. So, Uh, Just last week, I taught a zero proof elixir class that I was mimicking flavor profiles that may be in spirited cocktails, but people wanted to um, make with that were zero proof. I have one that's going to be coming up that's going to be citrus and sustainability. 
Uh, this is a great one. And why? Because um, after you fresh press lemons and limes, you know, you have the rind. And you're thinking, what can I possibly do with this? Well, I'm going to teach people how to make citrus stock, which is, you know, a tangy, wonderful drink that you can actually get another use out of your rinds and, you know, getting extracting the rest of the juices off of it. And learning how to do these things at home that, um, you may source at a normal local, like a big box store. Well, we're going to start sourcing locally and making them at home. And then yeah, you can have some pride and, you know, some wonderful feelings that, you know, you are doing this at home and perhaps maybe they will send that down to their children and keep it going from there. A couple other ones that I've done is you'll like this one. It's called uh, uh, <laughs> High Balls and High Heels, A Girl's Guide to Old Man Drinks. And uh, that one is perfect for, um, you know, ladies who may feel a little intimidated by some of the older classic cocktails and want to be armed and dangerous. So what I do is, is I teach them the correct way to make them. And I also give them the history behind each drink so that they know exactly where this drink came from, how it was, you know, how it was born, why it was born, and how to make the classic from there in a non-intimidating environment that they can ask questions, you know, because they're always like, I have a question, but I feel like it's stupid. And I say, there's no such thing as a stupid question. We're going to answer it. And I said, if I don't know the answer, I'm going to make up a really good story though, you know, <laughs> so um, it works out. Um, that's another one. Uh, a couple of the other ones that I'm looking at are looking at um, freestyle farmer's market where I might go to the farmer's market that day and uh, start looking at who, you know, what, what you got rocking over here? You know, what is special? What do you have special? You know, and, and buying from several different local farms and then gathering together and showing people, okay, this is what we're going to do with this. We're going to teach you how to can syrups. We're going to teach you how to make tonic water. We're going to teach you how to make a citrus stock. We're going to teach you how to do all of this from all of the local things. Oh, you don't know about this berry here. Let me talk about this and I'll teach you how to incorporate this into your beverage program. So that's another one that I'm really looking forward to coming up here with the spring and summer. And as we get to growing and, you know, having our wonderful, uh, you know, harvest of rocking of what we do best here in our liquid culture. That is very cool. I definitely think that I uh, could benefit from one of those workshops for sure. So <laughs> I'm I'm a boring I'm a boring mixologist. I I pretty I keep it pretty basic when I make myself drinks. <laughs> well, I tell you, I, and you know what? I I've have had a lot of people they come and they've said that before they've had one of my workshops and then they go, I know I can do this. Basically it's getting the confidence together to understand mm -hmm. that you can dance outside of that proverbial box and bring it back into the box. I'm going to elevate you from gnome status to master mixologist status, you know, with rock and that, because in the kitchen, maybe solid isn't your thing. Maybe it's liquids that is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope that I hope we get the chance to do that. And I, I think it's actually time that we make a pretty exciting announcement. At least I'm excited about it for one. Um, so Angie is actually going to be joining our team this year of Michigan Grown, Michigan Great Ambassadors to help us connect to consumers. 
And so I am uh, so excited. Yeah, yeah, we are so excited. So our ambassadors, for those of you who don't know who are listening, we have six ambassadors that we work with every year and they attend events, they go to farmers markets, they write blogs, they do live Q&As with farmers around the state, um, really just help connect consumers to to everything that is Michigan agriculture and food uh, and Michigan AF. And so that's something that we're really, really looking forward to. We're getting kicked off for 2022 and Angie is joining us. So what's something you're really looking forward to doing with us as an ambassador, Angie? I'm looking forward to actually telling the history and the stories behind the farms. People need to be connected to that. They want to be connected to their food. And um, I feel that that is a component that I, as an ambassador, can bring to them and you know tell them about their farm, tell the story. I'm a storyteller. And one of the things is I want to be able to tell their story. Sometimes they're bashful. They don't want to talk about it, but uh, that's what I am supposed to do. I also want to be able to educate people who may not know about certain things that are available at the farmer's market. Maybe there's a fruit, maybe there's a vegetable, maybe there's something that they are not aware of or maybe just need a little education on it. So I'm really excited about bringing that. And I'm ex- excited about being the ambassador of bridging the gap, you know, not a gap, but bringing together the farm with the consumer. Um, you'd be surprised how many farmers love it when you come visit them. In fact, guess where I get to go at three o'clock today? I get to go to a mushroom farm. Um, and I am going to go pick up my mushroom starters so that I can start growing um, oyster mushrooms and santrelles. And she is so excited to have us out to the farm. And I'm really looking forward because they want to talk about these things. They want to show you what their passion is. So that is where I'm going to come in and bridge that gap. I'm going to take their passion and I'm going to use my passion as well and, and combine that alchemy at its finest right there. And then bring it out and present it to the consumer to say, hey, we're in this all together. That's so great. Well, we are so excited to have you joining us and for all of the the great things that you're going to, to help bring to our brand as well. So really excited about it. I am really excited. I, I'm looking forward to meeting everybody. I, I'm probably going to be the oldest ambassador, I'm sure. But, I, you know, we're, we're still going to have a really, really, really good time. Trust me, because <laughs> I have stories that I think that I think people would just really enjoy. And I love working with all ages from toddlers all the way up to 90 years old. Bring it on. Let's hang out. Um, there's always something interesting in everybody the way I look at it. So I'm really looking forward to it all. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. You have just been delightful. Thank you for offering your talents as an ambassador in 2022. Where can our listeners find out more about the Traveling Elixir Fixer and your book, Drink the Wild? Oh, great. Thank you so much. Um, my website, everybody hangs out at the Elixir House. Um, that's where you want to go. It's theelixirhouse.com. And Elixir is spelled E-L-I-X-I-R. Uh, that's a double entendre because of Elixir, but I'm also a musician. I use Elixir strings on my guitar. Coming from Kalamazoo, home of the Gibson Guitar Factory for over 100 years, you got to have a good guitar the way I look at it. So um, uh, that is a perfect place where you can hang out. I also have a podcast. I'm, I'm getting ready to add a new element to my podcast called The Rhythm Kitchen. Where we're going to get together with friends and we're going to talk 
talk music. We're going to talk food. We're going to talk um, a drink and combining it all. But also this celebrates the Michigan musicians as well. So we're bringing this in and bringing the history of music and all the history of food, drink, culture, everything together into the Rhythm Kitchen podcast. And uh, you'll find blog postings with recipes. I posted some recently. And I am so looking forward to, to bringing all of this and incorporating this with Michigan Grow, Michigan Great. I want to thank you, Noel. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. Well, we all benefit from the bounty of locally grown food and drinks that are grown by the more than 80,000 farmers here in Michigan. And whether you're enjoying a juicy steak, an ice cream cone, or a handcrafted cocktail, you can be sure that if it's made in Michigan, it was grown with care. Thanks for listening and join us next time when we'll learn about more food, drinks, and people that are Michigan AF. The Michigan AF Podcast is a project of the Michigan Ag Council and the Michigan Grown, Michigan Great campaign. We are a coalition of farmers and agribusinesses committed to providing the best possible foods and products for our neighbors, communities, and the state we all love. To hear more podcasts and to learn about Michigan's agriculture diverse sector, visit michigangrown.org.